Hello everyone, welcome back to the Healing Growth Podcast. My name is Saiton Riga and this is a podcast where we talk about healing trauma in an African faith context. Today's episode is the one about asking for help. Hi everyone. Thank you to all the listeners on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and Spotify. Shout out to the YouTube crew. Thank you everyone for sharing your feedback. And special thanks also to our new listeners on the Edify Podcast Network. If you want to check us out there, make sure you download the app for more podcasts to build up your faith. Thank you also for sharing the podcast with your friends. Do rate it and let us know what you think. For those of you who would like for me to read your stories on healing, send them to our email, which is healing.growthpodcast at gmail.com. And on Instagram, we're healing.growth. On Facebook, we are healing, trauma healing and growth. Let's just get into it. Asking for help is one of those things some people are extremely, either extremely comfortable with, and some people are absolutely not. Among those of us, and I put myself in there, who are not okay with asking for help, there are those who will almost wait until they're in dire, life-threatening situations before they ask for help. There are those who ask for help without telling the full story because they can't allow others to fully be there for them. And there are those who believe asking for help in any way is shameful. These are all a result of how we grew up and our experiences as adults as, as well. For some of us, we don't even remember what got us here in the first place. But the bottom line is that for many of us, trauma has made us averse to asking for help. So this verse is for all of us. And so I ask, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on knocking and you will find. Sorry, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10, with the NLT version. This one is going to be honestly a hard one for those of us who are the organizers, the rescuers, the deputy parents, the perfectionists, and those of us who really just know how to rely on ourselves alone. The thing is, for whatever reason, we have not felt safe or we have not allowed ourselves to rest and allow others to be there for us. Be that as it may, the reality of living life in such a hyper-independent way is draining, exhausting, and it steals your life away from you. Whether in the mental load and mathing you're constantly having to do, or in the way your body will carry the load and internalize it, or the anxiety and depression that you carry, or in the feeling stuck and the inability to move on, as well as the frustration that all of these things cause. We are responsible for ourselves first before anyone else. 
just like how in an airplane they ask you to put on the mask on yourself first before you put it on your child. This is such a hard thing for those of us who have found significance and worth in serving or hiding behind others. The truth is, because life does happen, it is harder to not need people. And it is even harder to need people and not be able to find them because you've pushed them away or denied your own reality of needing help. So, before you need it, let's think about and understand these dynamics and what it would take for us to move from where we are to where we should be ideally. A fundamental... That is the funniest thing. (laughs) A fundamental lesson is that God gave us relationships and people for a reason. We're not meant to live in isolation. It is true that the modern world does thrive on our isolation and it does celebrate people who may be single, hyper-independent and introverted because there's such a thing around not needing others and not being vulnerable. Even though for many of us or many of of those in those situations, it isn't ideal. There are even those who are the life of the party, but are yet incredibly alone because they do not know how to be vulnerable or allow themselves to need others. I've been that person. And I think I said before, when I was, when I felt most alone is when I, when I spent a lot of time on social media because it had elements of what I needed in terms of connecting with other people, but yet it was still shallow and empty because it wasn't fully what I needed. What we need most is a actual person to sit across from us, to talk to, to cry, cry with, to walk with, run with, cook with, clean, clean with, reach to, and even run errands with. We need, we need people to work through our dreams, to talk about our dreams, to work through things, to grieve, and literally to walk through life with. These aren't the things that we like to highlight in modern life, especially because companionship has been mostly limited to romantic associations and partnerships, but we do need friends and companions. Our circles have been limited to work relationships, family relationships, and given that most of us don't live near our family, Even that is limited, romantic relationships, and a few friends. Without looking at your circles and how you interact with them, it can be easy to be pulled into directions where you're always the one giving, rescuing, sorting out, and solving without having in your your own corner people who can do the same for you. Some people we pour into and lead, others we partner with, Others pour into us, and others are the inner circle stretcher bearers. Many a time, we operate as if life will never deal us a blow, and that we will always be okay, and so do not invest in our relationships. Additionally, it's not always about investing to expect or receive the exact same thing, but also allowing them to show up authentically and help and be there for us. We've really idolized hyper-independence, so much so that people would rather be alone because they can't get through the barrier of asking for help. 
I also need to speak on the reality of not asking for help because deep down you already know that the people around you will not be there for you. Often because they've already shown you in the past. And there's two things I can think about here. Number one, if you're just realizing or you've known deep down and never admitted it that this is who you have around you, but you have absolutely no idea how to get out of this and find a new circle or community. The thought of the pain of leaving is devastating and is keeping you there. So the thought I have for you is actually a prayer. May God show you the way and free you and bring to your life people who love you as he, do- he loves you. Number two is the people who've operated as if this is a norm, not even knowing that they can expect better. That it seems impossible that someone else will care for you more than your family of origin. My prayer for you is that you understand the deep adoption into Abba's family and that he provides you with the love and care you need from his own people. Even acknowledging that some people, if not the dire situation of all, are only open to you being there for you and not in any way remotely thinking of being there for you is cruel. And it's devastating. But I want to remind you that not everyone in the world is like them. And I pray that you have the courage to keep looking and the wisdom to know when you found the right people, as well as the insight to build and maintain those friendships. Proverbs 24:18 in the message version says, Friends come and go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. And I pray that you do find those people. There's a lot more to moving out of the space, but it does come as a consequence of or as a result of healing your trauma and being on the journey of living life as you are created. Some of us need to admit to ourselves how we've ended up in these spaces, even though it's really hard. For some, we get our self-worth from being the constant helpers, so we inadvertently surround ourselves with the people who we can't allow to see our full self. Because we've created a, a dynamic where we're the ones who always jump into action when they need help. This is usually rooted in childhood where you are seen for helping and you've not yet healed and found a way to bring together all your parts and you've created a personality around killing yourself for others. Sometimes we also don't understand who in our circles can be asked for help and who is not in that place. There are also those who do volunteer and don't follow through. And though that is painful, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask for help. Integral to being able to have a circle that you can truly rely on and that can rely on you is being able to do your inner work and to take a pause and evaluate the per- person that you are and how you present in your relationships. Some people are emotionally unavailable and have chosen people who are equally as emotionally unavailable. 
being able to have a solid circle requires building authentic connections and being emotionally available. Sometimes we connect with others based on our trauma and are not able to see ourselves and those closest to us accurately enough to know who is in our corner. This is where I give you the other option for seeking help. If you really are in a place where you can't find help and you can afford it, pay for it. Pay for a therapist, a good one. One who gets people like you, one who can see, your perfor- see through your performance of handling it all, one who isn't impressed by you, one who's able to call you out and give you revelations that will both devastate you and lead you to deeper healing. This is one of the biggest hacks in getting better and laying your burdens down. When you cannot hide from your therapist, it also teaches you to fully face yourself. And when you start living in this place, you are even able to stop running away from the Holy Spirit and the truths that have been given to you. When you are convinced that you're meant to sacrifice yourself for others without God's leading, you reject you reject the wisdom that's given to you by the Holy Spirit because it feels and seems contrary to the theology of people pleasing. So many times we think that there's something wrong with walking away from certain situations, yet it is God telling us to leave. Many times the help that we give is rooted in stopping God's process for this other person or even for ourselves and feeding our ego instead of seeking God as to how to help. In therapy, as you're able to see yourself clearly, then you're able to admit your shortcomings. And often for people who are perfectionists, there's a belief system that others cannot do it as well as they can, or that things will fall apart if they're not there. This belief system is keeping you trapped and imprisoned. And the truth is, there are people who are benefiting from you doing what you're doing. And even they can choose to take on the reins if you let them. And if not, there are always other people. You have to be patient with people as they grow into the role and the tasks that you're leaving for them, especially because you have had so much experience doing this thing over and over and over again. You can't expect the people to, who are taking on these roles to have the same level of expertise that you have. It's not going to be the same. And that's okay. You can, if it makes you feel better, you can write handover notes, guide them, but let them be, let them figure out their own way to do these things and put things down. If there's a particular task that you've been, you know, doing in the family or in the workplace that, quote unquote, for the workplace, if it's not your GD, if it's someone else's or it's something that you can delegate, do it. In the family, sometimes as your siblings grow older, they can take up these roles. So hand over, ask them to help and be okay with whatever the circumstances and the results of of them are. If you're struggling with that, again, take it to therapy. It's okay if things fall apart, they can figure them out. You also have to remember that the standards that you have in your head may not be realistic and may not need to be imposed on everyone, and that's okay. One of the things with perfectionism is self-criticism and anxiety, and all these loops and stories that you tell yourself about what people are saying and thinking of you 
as you ask for help. This is a setup of sorts because it then stops you from asking for, for help because this requires vulnerability. So many times we write off asking for help because of other people's responses, but this person is not every other. So they're not the end all be all. There's so many other people in the world who can help you. Vulnerability can allow you the opportunity to make genuine connections. One bad response does not make asking for help completely wrong. It's like saying that you'll never eat at a restaurant again because of one bad experience. And yes, the feeling that you do feel in this situation might be multiplied on many levels. But the truth is, you can work through your grief, your reactions, and learn to build the muscle of asking for help and depending on others. I think you can learn to start with something simple. Something that doesn't have as big of a consequence on you. And then from the results of that, build the muscle. I'd say, if you can, ask for help two or three times a day, even with things that you can do. So that when you're in a place that you truly do need help, you have already built up the muscle for asking for it when you truly do need it. The black and white thinking around topics and concepts like asking for help is often a sign of trauma and wounding, especially when it's something that your spirit and soul is so against. Healing gets you to a place of understanding that you need to be ask people for help, but also understanding that you need to qualify what type of help you're asking for and what suits who best in your circles. There's some people who, like I said earlier, are part of the inner circle, the stretcher bearers, the ones who you can be completely vulnerable with and they will have your back and they will help you seek whatever help you need if they themselves cannot meet that need. One of the other things that really stands in the way is the way we think about being perfect and not being able to admit that we actually do need help. I think there's a way in which this is ungodly because I believe God is a God of progress. If you look at how we plant, a seed goes into the ground it germinates, grows into a shoot, eventually grows into a full, full-blown plant, and then that plant has flowers, and then it has a fruit, and then we harvest, it gets to harvest time and we harvest it, and then it dies off. And then we started the cycle all over again. If you look at that, with God and with nature, there's a lot of growth and a lot of time that passes. I believe that God is truly a God of progress and he grows us into our callings, our purpose, relationships and into ourselves. To grow, we must make mistakes. Many of us have this perception of needing to be perfect before God, that we need to have it all together, that he's a hard taskmaster requiring of you an endless perfectionist false version of you. That's not true. The entire Bible is full of many who made mistakes, with the exception of Jesus. But what our God treasures in us is that we're able to keep asking Him for help and keep going back to Him when we're struggling. So allow yourself to be human, imperfect if you will, 
and allow the people who love you to be the same. Ask your Heavenly Father for help and ask the people around you who love you and who support you for help. A final note for those of us who God has called to help others. Remember that you are the vessel. These are his people. You can't solve all the problems that people are going through immediately. Yes, some of them are urgent, but some of them will take days, months, weeks, years even. Them being okay and being better does not always rise and does not actually rise and fall on you. These are his people. So ask him to help you. Pray about the help you need and reach out to the people that he puts on your heart and mind for help. And if they say no, go back to him again. It's not up to you. It's up to him. And your role is asking him for help, for, especially for those who don't know how to do it. Let us pray. Abba Father, thank you for this hard reminder that when the world props us up as superheroes, living glamorous roles that sometimes are killing us, that you are there for us, that you tell us that you are our ever-present help in time of need, that we can lay down our burdens at your feet. Teach us to call on you when we need you, and even when we think we don't need you. Teach us to be like children, running to their parents for help. Show us that you created us for community and show us how to rebuild community bonds by allowing others to be there for us as much as we are there for others. Heal us in those deep places where we carry memories of being abandoned, betrayed, scorned, or even devastated by, the, by those who love us. Show us that this was not what you intended and that you can not only heal, but send us help. Let us learn to assess things with your Holy Spirit as helper and act in the ways that you ask us to and not out of ego or a self-serving nature. Show us how you see us and make clear to us who our friends are and who those who those around us are. Show us who you have intended to carry our stretches, that we may know to rely and to ask to ask them to step in in, such, in the situations which we're going through. Remind us that we are not alone and that you are there for us. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can find us on Instagram as healing.growth and on Facebook as Trauma Healing and Growth. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. My name is Saiton Riga from Healing Growth. Bye-bye.